Tom, there's milk all over the house. It's art, Mum, it's art. Opposing the government. You have fields. And opposing the Conservatives. Cows that move backwards and forwards. I'm afraid it's the hard left. And you have the milk. Who want to tighten their control. That is taken from cows in the south. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. And taken from cows in the north. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. Put together in the same factory. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. And then it is mixed together with whiskey. Or in the, you know, ascendancy I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. And it comes out as milk. You just said so that we were right, right to right wing. Cows in the fields, milk in the shops. The hard left agenda. The state controls the price of milk. Printing money. That is what socialism does. Nationalisation without compensation. Milk. Hard left wing position. Hard left. The 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 hard left. Hard left. The 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 hard left. I'm not, I will, I will never support Wolverhampton <laughs> Wanderers. Let me just say, mate, I will never support Wolverhampton Wanderers. I mean, if you fucking elect Enoch Powell, you fucking melts. End of. <laughs> Wolves need to go down this season. Hello, welcome to the Real Politic Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm joined today by just one, mem- one member of the team, uh, Jack. We're just doing a two-man episode here today, and uh, I apologise. Hello. Hello, yes, welcome. And uh, I apologise for my my voice. I had a bit of a cold uh, just before the end of the weekend, and it's been made worse by going down to Wembley and cheering on Coventry as they got promoted. Just play him in the middle. Oh. I've been smoking too much loud, mate. I've been uh, hitting it can't way too hard. What are you talking about? I actually thought of a funny weed joke earlier. Go on, go on. To do in this episode. No, but then I, I went back to sleep uh, because I was high and forgot it. You did it. You did. You did a Tom. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you will not be hearing that funny joke. Oh, actually, it's very sad. When people become weed heads, they become sluggish, lazy, stupid, and unconcerned. That's all marijuana does to you. So we've got a fair bit to get through today, despite it being just the two of us. We've got some reading to go through from a book that you have. Am I correct in thinking this is a Neil Young book? Uh, well, it's a book about Neil Young. It's not a book by Neil Young, yeah. although I okay. do have his two memoirs on my shelf, Waging Heavy Peace and Special Deluxe, a memoir of life mm. and cars. Yes. This is Jimmy McDonough's book, Shaky. It's been a shaky-ass year. A near 800-page behemoth. Um, all the all, all, all the <laughs> listeners are like, oh god, we're, we're literally a minute in, and Neil Young's already here. But all I want to say is to people, like, don't worry, 
I bared the brunt of it at yours. But it was all right, because we sat downstairs, we did some work on the play, and then we listened to all of On the Beach, and it was great, you know? All the album's great, but the second side of that is some good, chilling vibes. It's yeah. a good second half of that album, On the Beach by Neil Young. Yeah, well, in, in fact, in the first portion of this episode, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be introducing you to a pretty obscure figure from musical history, who, yeah. as Tom has mentioned, when the two of us got together, we listened to an album by Neil Young called On The Beach. It's good. You know, I. It's good. Hands down, I think the greatest album ever made. And although he only actually plays on two tracks on it, there's a man who had an enormous influence on that album because Neil Young's usual producer, David Briggs, had some kind of personal emergency. He had to leave the sessions quite early. Yeah. And this eccentric Cajun guitarist, Rusty Kershaw, uh, also very good at playing fiddle, a multi-instrumentalist who'd been playing music since, you know, he came from a musical family that lived on a swamp and was basically... Uh, there's, a, there's a story I've heard. It was either about Rusty Kershaw or his much more famous brother, Doug, who's also a famous Cajun fiddler. And uh, it basically the story was that... Okay. Sorry, what were you going to say, Tom? No, I was, just, I was just laughing at you saying Cajun fiddler. <laughs> when you fiddle with some Cajuns. <laughs> um, no, but, but basically, the Kershaw brothers' father was a gator gutter, like John Cusack in the underrated, very, very seedy Lee Daniels film, The Paperboy. Mm. You know, is that a bit of gator... John Cusack's character is a guy who guts gators for a living. And when you think about The Paperboy, it's... It, it, I mean, I remember it as a collection of images. I remember it being John Cusack gutting an alligator. Zac Efron is, spending... Is a gator gutter? Is, a gator is, gutter. Is he referred to that? He's not a gator gutter. He's a gator gutter son. He's going to do the gator gutting until the gator gutting's done. But is he, is he a straight gay gutter? Uh, gut, gut... Never mind. No. Also starring Matthew McConaughey, Zac Efron and Nicole Kidman. Oh. Again, it's a good, good film. Have you seen it, Tom? I haven't seen it, no. Is it, is it, is it, I'm guessing it's quite recent then, if it from, based from the cast you mentioned. That's, it's like 2012 or something. Okay, so about um, five it, it's old, part yeah. of the McConaissance when Matthew McConaughey started doing all these very good kind of independent yeah, films no, well, that I've got him a lot of good reviews. And then he did Interstellar, which was a huge movie and was quite mediocre. And since then, it seems to be... Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. He, he's in pretty middle of a road stuff again which is disappointing yeah because of course he, he also branched out into television he was in the first season of True Detective is that the name of it? yeah he was and he was I, I, the second season of that was execrable with, that was with Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell the second season was yeah yeah, yeah. oh god it was so just weighty and pretentious and dull <laughs> uh, portentous that is it was pretentious as well but mainly it was portentous there was this horrific sense of dread that hung over 
the whole thing. It didn't function as an as effective suspense yeah. or anything. My it fa- just yeah. felt miserable and gloomy yeah. <laughs> and like nothing good is going to happen and certainly nothing interesting. Before you crack on with that, I was going to say my favourite film from the McConaissance has to be William Friedkin's Killer Joe, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> Just... great film. KFC, uh, you know, you know yeah. what I mean, yeah, you know, I know the scene I, know. I mean. I know the scene yeah. talking about. When people, ever, people see the poster, they go, why, why is that there? And then you watch the film, you're like, oh... Oh, oh. <laughs> the, the way you said, why is that there? It reminded me of your improv from a scene in our play where Tim Farron sees the frogs fucking and you're going, no, no, don't put that in there, Mr. Frog. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I do love to be out and about amidst God's creations. How the birds sing, how green the grass that lines his rolling fields. Thank you so much, Lord, for giving me the gift of this wonderful earth, with all its creatures and its plants and its natural order that cannot be disrupted. I am alive with the joys of spring. Oh, life is sweet. Oh, God is good. Well, I never... A pond? I love ponds. They're up there with God's best creations. And God's got a lot of good creations. I've always loved ponds. They have some of my favourite of God's creatures in there. Fish and frogs, in my opinion, are not just up there with the best of God's creatures, but with the best of his creations altogether. Oh, the frogs. Look, there's two of them there. Oh, how pretty they are. How plentiful their slime. Oh, oh look, it seems, seems to be mating season. <laughs> I feel a bit naughty, uh, but I guess it's all part of God's plan. Uh, uh, what? Uh, uh. No, this can't be. They're not supposed to be doing that. This isn't part of God's plan at all. They, they both appear to be uh, with, with penis. No, I don't want to. No, don't you dare. Don't put one in there. Oh, this is an aberration. I'm scared. Mum! Mum! No, she's at home. Please, God. Please stop this. Not like that. Now I'm even more traumatised. It's all over me. It's in the eyes. All in my eyes. No two male creatures should do such a thing with one another. Ah, ah, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I want to go home. Now then, now then, what's going on here, young sonny me lad? The frogs. The frogs. <laughs> Lewd behaviour. <laughs> oh, I know. You've been on them E's, haven't you? And it was so good that it was. It wasn't delivered in the way that I wrote. It wasn't the line I wrote, but it was so funny that I put it in alongside the lines I wrote oh, for that scene. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> but Rusty Kershaw. Rusty Kershaw. So yes, the Kershaw's father was a gator gutter out in the Louisiana swampland. And he went out one day to gut some gators and 
young Rusty, or maybe Doug, I forget, I heard this on a podcast about country music. <laughs> Rusty's, uh, yeah, Rusty or Doug, the Kershaw in question, saw his dad's fiddle on top of a shelf and was like, oh, I would love to play this fiddle. And he got it down and apparently... He taught himself to play that day. He was fiddling away hard, and then he dropped it. And there was a crack on the fiddle, and it was a disaster. And his dad came home, and he, you know, when when you've been out all day gutting gators, you just want to have a fiddle. Uh, And and, and the fiddle's cracked, and so he said, right, Rusty or Doug, whichever one of you this is, you better play me some tunes on this fiddle or else I'm going to whip you with my belt. And apparently, Doug or Rusty, <laughs> which well, I should have done my research before this, but... Uh, <laughs> this is the gist they, of they, what happened, yeah. Yeah, they apparently fired off some, some brilliant tunes on the fiddle, and the rest, as they say, is history. So, <laughs> let's jump forward to 1974. Now, Rusty Kershaw yeah. had done an album called Cajun in the Blues Country, okay. which is incredibly funky incredibly bluesy a brilliant album has people like tim drummond carl t himmel like legendary country session musicians playing on it and he was apparently clean shaven slim sober when he made that by 1974 (laughs) he was none of those things Long Rusty, hair, big beard. Oh, Rusty had ballooned out. His hair had grown all over the place. He had a huge beard. People say he looked like a water rat or something. Uh, he uh, and he was certainly not sober anymore. And the legend of Neil Young's "On the Beach" album is that Rusty Kershaw's wife brought along this recipe to the recordings, which is something called honey slides. Okay. And the honey slides are said to account for the languid, languorous feel of the On The Beach album, particularly the second side, which is the only side of the album Rusty actually plays on. Mm. And Honey Slides basically involves... Hang on. You want to get uh, your facts right, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah facts yeah. here on Real Politics. Oh, we, we are. We, we have hashtag facts. We have never engaged in any kind of fake news. We never uh, tried to spread the disinformatia. Not once. It was incredibly skillful at the black arts and propaganda. And used it rather brilliantly. So, Rusty Kershaw and his wife Julie, the furry shadow of Kershaw, Jimmy McDonough describes in Shaky. Ben Keefe, Neil Young's steel guitarist, says, I think me and Rusty came up with it. And he says that you start off to make your honey slides by frying some weed in a skillet just until what what's a skillet i don't know like a sort of sauce a pan like a pan of some kind yeah skillet oh okay like a, all right yeah, like like a cookie, a yeah, cooking, yeah yeah until it starts to smoke when that stuff started smoking boy it would stink like hell <laughs> the studio smelled like a marijuana farm then you add the honey and it just all looks like cow shit <laughs> that is taken from cows in the south. <laughs> you take a spoonful of this cow shit and you eat it. About 20 minutes, people start forgetting where you are. You think I'm low, girl, and I think I'm high. The high was debilitating. People passed out, said Elliot Roberts. The stuff was like much worse than heroin, much heavier. Rusty would pour it down your throat and within 10 minutes you were catatonic. Now, <laughs> I, I'm, all I'm going to say to that quote from Elliot Roberts is like, 
bullshit because <laughs> in sick form, me and my friends on multiple occasions tried to make honey slides. Now, <laughs> it could well be possible that we did not have the quantities of marijuana for a group of rock stars and country yeah. session musicians in the 1970s had. They would have had access to a lot of that, I could imagine. Yeah, <laughs> so that really could have been, have an impact, yeah. been the issue that we were just like chucking an eighth in there and just <laughs> <laughs> expecting, it, expecting it to hit as hard of a heroin because it was mixed with honey. That could potentially have been the issue. Right, so now I've explained who Rusty Kershaw is, <laughs> should we get to the story? This is a great story, and I'm so glad we're sharing this with the listeners, because it's just, it just it just goes from one thing to the next, it's just, <laughs> just, let's go, let's just read it out. Ask Buttery about Rusty skinning cats, advised Tim Drummond. Feline turned to canine by the next version. I heard the dog was in pieces, whispered engineer Denny Purcell. Somebody at the motel found the dog pieces and they got arrested. Tales of animal sacrifice seemed to hound Rusty Kershaw. Lawyer Craig Hayes said the stories originated back in the 70s when he extricated Ben Keefe and Rusty from a sticky situation. They had destroyed a hotel room in their tequila madness, Hayes said. There's been a lot of subsequent rumours about everything from voodoo to dog mutilations. I can't even print the story, Graham Nash, my close personal friend, friend of the show, serial DM slider Graham Nash, recounted. Rusty busted a gut when I told him the tales. None of them were true. I had lots of stars pinned on me, shit! He purred in his syrupy Cajun drawl. Apologies if that's not syrupy enough. But he added, I have a story about a monkey. (laughs) This was back in the late 50s, early 60s, New Orleans. My brother Doug and I was on a country music tour. People like Ernest Tubb, Roy Aker, Jerry Lee Lewis, a whole slew of us. This chick, boy, she looked about as fucking crazy as I was. She came right to me and we went to a holiday inn and we just did a whole bunch of fucking and shit. And after we'd done a whole lot of that, I done me up a joint and drank me some fucking whiskey and shit. And I flicked the TV on and it was one of these movies that have a monkey in it and boy she went woo! Look at that! And I said, what? You know, I wanna know about this. And she says, well, when I was real young, my husband wanted to be kinky and he got this monkey. And this monkey had these great big soft furry lips and this great big long tongue. I didn't want to do it at first, but he kept reminding me about all these great big old soft lips and that great big old tongue. And it worked out for a while. And I said, then what happened? She said, well, my husband started getting jealous of a monkey. Hee <laughs> <laughs> hee. And I said, then what happened? She said, he beat the shit out of the goddamn monkey. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, then what happened? 
and she said, I ran off with the monkey. That's the fucking truth. I said, Alright! <laughs> you can even imagine Matthew McConaughey doing that last bit. Alright, alright! You could just sense the joy of uh, Rusty Kershaw telling Neil Young this story. <laughs> just having so much, just like, just in the extract you have there, includes the hee hees and the alright, you know? Yeah, so, inc- inc- Alright! And, uh, and what, what's, does it include Rusty Kershaw's reaction to being told this story? Oh, no, he, his reaction was just alright, wasn't it? Was there anything else? Just a rap from alright. All right. That was it. Okay. <laughs> that was it. That was that was his reaction. That's he just kept he asking That's what happened. Yeah. No, he just carried on smoking the joint and drinking the whiskey. You know. <laughs> Done me up a joint and drank me some fucking whiskey and shit. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need to know anything else. He knew everything he needed to know. He was happy with what he was told. He's just like, "That's fine." You, you know. <laughs> Oh, my favourite bit, actually. Well, there's the bit where they were recording the song Revolution Blues. Rusty didn't feel like the musicians were living up to the song's title. I said, look man, you don't sound like you're trying to start a fucking revolution. Here's how you start that. And I just started breaking a bunch of shit and band jumped right in there. I said, that's a revolution, motherfucker. <laughs> Goddamn, that sparked Neil right off. He got it in my next take. <laughs> But yeah, that's not my favourite bit actually, it's on the same page. David Crosby, usually the high priest of any scene. Another close personal friend of the show, David Crosby, who liked a tweet I'd sent him the other day where I was like, David, your rhythm guitar on Revolution Blues kicks ass. And he was like, fake. Alright! Alright, alright! <laughs> it me some faving and shit! <laughs> so, speaking of David Crosby, Kershaw just fucking laughed at him, said Hines. He'd get on the floor and start howling. <laughs> at some point, Stephen Stills also had a run-in with Kershaw. Me and Neil were playing and it was such heavy magic. I think Steele's fault if he picked up the guitar, he'd have it. Man, you don't take a guitar from somebody's hand. It just pissed me off. <laughs> Kershaw pulled a knife on him in response. I said, Stephen Stills, who in the fuck is that? You better get back, you motherfucker. Neil was saying, go ahead, do it, do it. Young doesn't recall the incident. <laughs> Isn't Stills the melt of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young? Well, I'll say this. Uh, Neil Young, David Crosby and Graham Nash, they may not get on these days, but all three of them endorsed Bernie Sanders in the 2016 Democratic primary. And Stills... Stephen Stills did not. not. Oh. 
Oh dear. Yeah. He's an army brat though. He comes oh. from a military background. On the 1974 Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young reunion tour, because they did one album in 1970, they split up and then they reunited for the money a few years later, just did a tour and split up again. Um, like, <laughs> it was it was known as the Frozen Noses tour because they were doing so much coke on it. And um, <laughs> Stephen Stills was apparently so just delusional in his coke-addled state that he'd go around telling everybody that he was a CIA operative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So um, the cop and- of of the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young legacy. It wouldn't surprise me if his politics are a big load of garbage. Anyway, let's let's move on from uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Obviously, we've um, invited yeah. them all onto the podcast to reunite. But I, absolutely. Um, I'm not even that bothered about them to be honest. They're not a good band. They're not. They've, they've like occasionally done some good music, but you, it... they produce their best work individually. Would you say? Well, one of them does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all know who that is. Don't we? Young and some other blokes. That's that's what they should really be called. <laughs> Young and some guys who can sometimes sing quite nice harmony on his songs. Anyway, let's talk about some politics. Yes, that's what the people have come for. Where should we start? Salt on a slug, salt on a slug. Oh, God, where do we start? Because there's been all kinds of stuff happening in the political sphere recently. Didn't you go and see a film recently, though? As a, I, a slight little preamble to this. I went and saw a, uh, a superhero film, yes. Nerd. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat your ass. I'm gonna pull a knife at you like you're Stephen Stills, and I'm Rusty Kershaw. Don't you ever fucking talk about that fast shit here, boy. <laughs> um, Who the fuck is Tom Foster? <laughs> I saw Deadpool two, and it contains one of the best death scenes I've ever seen in a film in it. And the death scene involves a good friend of the show. Oh. Eddie Marsden. Do tell. Eddie Marsden. Hey! <laughs> Eddie, so, baby. Because Eddie Marsden, of course, he added us, didn't he, uh, the, a few days he ago? He did. He was what name was searching. What was this? He... <laughs> what, was this what was this over? <laughs> he named us. He was like, oh, real politic are calling me out. Oh, what, was, um, what were the details of this? Let me, fi- let me find the precise context again, because it was great. I hadn't had a very good day, and it gave me some much-needed laughs. Can, I, can uh, I just say that? I knew Eddie Marsden before I read up on his politics and stuff, but I was, yeah, same, yeah. I was genuinely shocked when I found out he was this much of a, of a, of a melt. Really? Yeah. Always... No, really, he's worse. You know, he's worse than a Mel. He's a horrible little pug-faced shit. Like he's a nasty, <laughs> conceited, bitter cunt. Like who, who just thinks he's so much smarter than you know? He, he decided in 2015. Oh, that lot who like the Corbyn, they're stupid. And he's worked backwards from there. He's had to keep coming up with. He came to the opinion, and then since then he's been finding the reasons to have that opinion. And the number one reason for him, obviously. The, the pretext for people who don't like socialism but don't want to admit that they're conservatives is of course Brexit yeah of course that's that's what all unites them isn't it really and also I don't know if you knew this Jack but he actually had a meal with friends supposedly and they told him <laughs> that they don't like Corbyn so that's why we, oh, need, yeah, to, that's yeah. why we need to get rid of Corbyn because oh yeah because of his, fucking his, like his, fucking actor at his fucking dinner party he couldn't get it, yeah. the, the assembled who do you think he had there do you right he, he probably had um, Matthew Vaughan like just thinking of the biggest oh, Tories yeah. in the British yeah, film yeah, yeah, industry yeah, yeah. yeah Matthew Vaughan definitely had an invite yeah 
<laughs> just like Betty's trying to negotiate being in Kingsman Free. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I reckon Matthew Vaughan is like a uh, free market Tory. I reckon he's not like uh, you know ultra Brexiteer or anything. We I should probably talk about some of Matthew Vaughan's films at some point because like you have the oh, Kingsman yeah. films, which are which are just hilarious. We've mentioned them before on the show, but yeah, they're just they're just ridiculous because of course if you've seen the first one that features Samuel L. Jackson as the villain and mm. he's an environmentalist. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like and it's just and then the second one just has just this really it just like the women characters are just so one dimensional and just so throw away to these kind of just overpowering men and it's just it's a really miserable film particularly the sequel is so bad but I don't know whether there'll be a third one so I don't know whether Eddie will be able to get into it but no we'll talk about Kingsman the Kingsman films at some point he directed a Conservative Party party political broadcast, didn't he? Oh, and, did, um, oh my word. Yeah, I think 2015. A decade ago, the internet was just a buzzword. Now it is changing the way we live our lives. As you'll see in a moment, we have been incredibly specific about the changes we want to make. So don't give up hope. Change can come. You can get the change you really want. Join us, become a friend of the Conservatives, and donate as much or as little as you like. Yeah, Could yeah, no, he's used Harry Brown, so that's that's cause for concern. He's yeah. a he's a big Cameron supporter. Like there was something, uh, there was something he said recently that oh god, it was something that really made me think. God, I really hate this guy. Here is in September 2017. When the world's bad, people need to be. Let me guess. Without looking, I'm gonna. Assume that he thinks the world is oh, bad shit. because of Donald Trump and Brexit. Because, of course, the Conservative governments that Matthew Vaughan supports have never done anything bad. <laughs> oh, Christ fucking hell. Well, I tell you what, we will dedicate an episode to Matthew Vaughan's oeuvre at some point. I'm sure yeah. we'll get around to it. Um, Kingsman 3 is in the works, by oh, the way. Oh, no. Eddie, yeah, Eddie, yeah. mate, you've got a chance. Yeah. Get, the, get the dinner party going with Matthew yeah, yeah. on board. You can get cast as a fucking scab traitor or a racist <laughs> crank or the people you always get cast as. Like, you know, your specialities, Eddie, yeah. I, I, just, um, no, just, I just noticed there's a lot of similarities in terms of producing films with Guy Ritchie. Like, Matthew Vaughan's produced mm. a few of Guy Ritchie's films. So he also produced Mean Machine, which was the British remake of the 1970s American film, The Longest Yard, which has fucking Vinnie Jones in it. I recently watched a documentary which features Vinnie Jones about when he was a footballer and it was about the Wimbledon football team and uh, Vinnie Jones comes across as this kind of very much kind of hard nails kind of guy but I looked up on his politics and he's a massive massive Tory Vinnie Jones is he? he is yeah he's like big on the monarchy <laughs> okay we're just going off Wikipedia but there's, there's some we're, this is some linked out there's some linked kind of backup evidence here <laughs> let me just uh, it says Jones is an outspoken supporter of the Conservative Party stating I am very proud of being British very pro the monarchy and very <laughs> conservative 
So, <laughs> so you know, great stuff. Uh, that that's just reminded me of a story that some of our friends gave us. We were canvassing somewhere in London, and they 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 went and knocked on Victoria Beckham's door, and it turns out she is not a Labour supporter. <laughs> as, as if uh, the uh, what was it? Uh, Thatcher was the first Spice Girl comment. Wasn't oh yeah, <laughs> an indication didn't, in that direction. Didn't, didn't Spice Girls uh, could come out and say we're all Thatcherites? Like then they. No, uh, I think like Jerry Halliwell did, but I think actually the Spice Girls weren't in unanimous agreement about they that. They sort I of distanced themselves. Yeah, they yeah, sort of, like, yeah. Some yeah. of some of them. Um, what's what's. Scary Spice's actual name. Oh, you used to ask me as if I know this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, why? I don't know. I'm, you might. You listen to some of that pop shit. Like, yeah, you like you like the Spice Girls. Today, the Spice Girls weighed in. Scary Spice, aka Melanie Brown, now a judge on America's Got Talent, said she was heartbroken. It's devastating. She was a woman that moved mountains and so powerful. And Ginger Spice, Jerry Hallowell, today tweeted that Thatcher is the original example of girl power. But then, later today, she deleted the tweet, reportedly facing a backlash. So much for girl power. Hey, no, mate, no, it was... mate, mate, when I was a kid, Spice World was a fucking great movie. <laughs> mate, with, bit... with, with Richard E. Grant driving that double-decker London bus over the, over the London Bridge, you know, it's class, a classic British scene in the, in the British well, uh, Yeah, it's the British uh, cinema pantheon, yes. Up there with the loneliness of the long-distance runner and the sporting <laughs> life and some of our greatest social realist films, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, thinking of uh, Richard's, actually, all the stuff about the Spice Girls politics is in Richard Power Said's book yeah. 1997 The Future That Never Happened which I read extensively from in the last episode so uh, yeah, so good. do check that out but what were we even saying about Matthew Vaughan yeah, I, yeah. I mean I, I've just I just yeah I've come to um, thinking that I hate him a lot now just in this in the space of this conversation I really do want to do an episode on him now there we um, go. Cameron sort of refocused the British state's involvement in the film industry away from what was seen as commercially unviable projects and Vaughan has essentially come out in favour of this he's basically said yeah we should be making films that make money not like self-indulgent films that no one sees uh, and I mm. just get the sense he's a really vacuous and empty man and um, he's he was a producer long before he was a director yeah, so he comes definitely. he comes from the money side of, oh, of yeah. the film he, industry he, he comes from the industry yeah. he produced guy Ritchie's first two films lock stock and uh, snatch and then of course he produced mean machine and then sort of his, his directorial debut was uh, layer cake the british yeah. crime film with daniel craig and then he kind of he moved over to, I, I think it was an american production but stardust which is kind of like this the fantasy film with i think ricky gervais is in it actually robert de niro's in it mark strong rupert everett ricky gervais Peter, no, Peter isn't that all has a small role in it as well oh, but wasn't that actually like quite acclaimed by late period de niro standards like uh stardust yeah i think he got broadly positive reviews and stuff. He, he's not like he doesn't have a huge drive and scene. I think I watched it when I like when I was younger when it like first came out. But, but oh, yeah, cool. there's there's definitely like a mean spirited vibe in like Kingsman and Kickass as well, which he also directed. Uh, oh god, yeah. Apparently, Kingsman: The Golden Circle has. Uh, takes little pot shots at Donald Trump. Yeah. A, oh no no, no. He, he did actually remove the references to Trump from the film. <laughs> yeah, she went, you know what? This Too guy, close to he... the bone. <laughs> 
uh, he thinks America is going through a pretty interesting and rough ride at the moment, and I wanted this movie to be escapism. Oh yeah, it's it is it's the idea is that you, have, <laughs> you have the Kingsman, which is like the British Secret Service, and then the American equivalent are just these like these like stereotypical like Texan like kind of yo weird and like you know, and Jeff Bridges is like the head of them. They they're called the Tech Tom. They, they, what they called they called um what are they called in the film? They're tech. Called... It's exciting. It's young people. It's crowdsourcing. It is. It is. Wait. They're called. Um, wait. Uh, the statesman. The fucking you know. <laughs> the new <laughs> statesman. Wait, Tom. Uh, I've I, I've got a picture of Matthew Vaughan to send you that I found in an independent article let's, let's uh, interview it, yeah. with him. Let's have a look. <laughs> send send it over. You, you're gonna get my live, <laughs> my live reaction. It, to it, this. It's in a Facebook Messenger. Oh, let me let me one sec. Oh, here we go. I, I've just had it received through on my phone now. Let's have a look. Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> you look? He, he has. <laughs> he he has. Smith with a fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has the face of Owen Smith with the hat of Vince Cable and the demeanor of a turtle. <laughs> look, I've sent you a close up of his face just for the comedy. It literally is. <laughs> it's he literally honestly Owen looks Smith. like he's sniffing a fucking radioactive fart in that <laughs> it's like he's going don't worry i drink my cappuccinos from a big mug not <laughs> dainty little teacups get isis round the table say goodbye to their villainy i'll make them go away cyberradical Fifteen minutes with me And they'll want to back down My rhetoric should do the trick I'll leave them reeling <laughs> Like you get in Pontypridd um, <laughs> There we go, so, so, uh, so where were we? We were talking about Matthew Vaughan <laughs> But Eddie Marson wasn't it? Eddie we were talking Marson, about you. You God. went to see him in the new superhero film, Dead. He was in Dead. He was in Deadpool two, and uh, he plays a really religious. I I think it's suggested that he's a paedophile, and I think he basically runs this orphanage for like mutant, for, like mutant children. Is is Deadpool a mutant? Is that did did he did I, did did, uh, did he like? He connected with with uh, uh, Matthew Vaughan's radioactive fart, and uh, it turned him into an S and M gimp version of Spider Man. What what I know is that what I know is that Deadpool is set in the universe of X Men, and it's Marvel, but it is set in the X Men universe, so it's not connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has like Captain America and Spider Man and Iron Man and all that. But no, it, Eddie Marsden has a small role in, in Deadpool 2 as this kind of horrible, abusive fucking, like, he's like, he's like, yeah, okay, let me cut to the chase. At the end of the film, after the big fight scene that you get in all these films, he, he comes out of nowhere and he's like, just going, damn y'all, God will smut ye down. He's basically just doing what he does on Twitter, just like ranting Wait, is and raving, he, you know? Like, is he just doing my Rusty Kershaw accent? Literally, he's got an American accent and he's just like, you God damn you. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a taxi crashes on screen and crushes and kills him. And I was sat there watching it and I actually started applauding. I was like, yes, dead brilliant. Like, this is you know what? Didn't expect this. I didn't expect you to do this, Deadpool 2. But you know what? This is good. This is a good Well, you call. know...
you know what my favourite moment of the uh, highly stylized bunch of anti-communist trash atomic blonde was when Eddie Marson got shot and then drowned within about five minutes because oh, <laughs> he, he's a fucking melt in that film basically he's a Stasi guy who's trying to defect to the west but um, <laughs> but he gets shot by James McAvoy and just fucking melts <laughs> like what's the, Charlize Theron is trying to get him to safety trying to get Eddie like she's got him under a coat and he's hobbling along and she kills like about 50 people like just with her bare hands and trying to save him and then they they get in the car and drive off and then they fall into the sea and she can't get him out and then you just see Eddie Marson just in this just in like <laughs> flailing <laughs> We'll, we'll, play, we'll play the clip in question. Trust me, we'll find some way to use the footage because it's, it just happen, it just happens out of nowhere. He's just screaming, <laughs> going, "Oh, you're gonna go to hell!" or just some random die like that, and then just the taxi just comes on screen randomly and just like just crushes him, and it's just like, "What? <laughs> what is going on?" You know, it, it's so hard not to uh, in the social media age when you get sent some incredible shit, just immediately move on to that. I will say there's a great new thread out by a friend of the show, Alex Nuns, that he just DM'd us, which features our close personal friend, Chris Leslie. Uh, okay, and okay. and I, I would like to return to that, but first I think we should stay on Eddie Marson. Yeah. He plays a lot of horrible characters in his, film, in his films, like he like in Tyrannosaur. Have you ever seen Tyrannosaur or Paddy Considine? I haven't. He, ki- he kills a dog in that, doesn't he? No, that... Oh, Paddy Considine does, yeah. Uh, Eddie, oh, Eddie... Paddy Considine kills the dog. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Marsden just plays the this horrible, abusive husband to uh, Olivia Coleman's character in the film. God, um, how many people in that? No, no, sorry. Paddy Considine doesn't kill. No, Paddy Considine isn't even in the film. Sorry, it's um for a <laughs> fucking Peter Mullen who kills the dog in in Tyrannosaur. Peter Mullen just plays this kind of growling, kind of old, you know, kind of guy who lives on you this know, estate, and he befriends Olivia Coleman, who works in the local charity shop, and then he. You know what I call him? What? Sullen Mullen. <laughs> Did a good performance as Gordon Brown in something or other. Did it? Forget what. Yeah, can't have remember you, what, but seen, it was good. Have you ever seen Ned's, uh, his, his uh, film, Ned's? I haven't actually, no. So Eddie Marson. Eddie Marson. Eddie Marson. He doesn't tweet too often. He mostly replies to people who are calling him out on his bullshit, really. I feel like he does tweet quite a lot. Well, like, well, I, yeah. I, it, it, see, it feels like every day there's some of his bullshit, like, forced to the top of my timeline. Well, you can easily find the one where he's calling us out when he's going, oh, fuck, real politics have found me out. I've got to stop doing this political line with the big boys. They're so perceptive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically what happened was he, 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 he was obviously, yeah, doing a spot of name searching. He quote tweeted a thread. Oh, right. So it all started with Eddie Marson's, uh, if we get rid of May... Brexit will continue. If we get rid of Corbyn, Brexit will stop. How, <laughs> you know, how, do, how do you come to that conclusion? The, the that that's staggering. How it's work out? What the fuck? Uh, it, well, it's almost like I saw that guy Tim Wanker, who's the editor of the uh, of the New European, along with Alistair Campbell. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. Imagine sharing an office with a fucking war criminal. <laughs> I feel like being fucking Henry Kissinger's secretary. But um, <laughs> I just uh, want to point out that Eddie Marzen's bio on Twitter reads: Deadpool two, Ray Donovan. Happy-go-lucky, Hancock, etc. Social Democrat. 
the answer to right-wing dogmatism and Brexit isn't left-wing dogmatism and Brexit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's great to sit on the fence, isn't it? Because you never have to make a decision about uh, anything and you can act like you're above everything. But his tweet there, this bizarre contortion to rationalise opposing the left infinitely more than he does the incumbent mm. and fanatically pro-Brexit conservative government reminds me a lot of that guy tim walker slash wanker who edits the new european yeah he made a tweet something like you can tell that may is secretly trying to undermine brexit whereas corbyn is secretly trying to put it through or something and it's like well it that just sounds like you're a lot more sympathetic to the conservatives than you are to Labour. You know, that you assume a lot more benevolence mm. of people who are conservative politicians. Also kind of like that Femi guy, yeah, the, the you know, that, that gullible prick who uh, allows himself to be used by a consortium of corporate interests as the frontman of that Our Future, Our <laughs> Choice group. His feed is all uh, bloody Corbyn, do this, do that, Jeremy. And then it's, uh, I've always been anti-Tory, but I'll always be pro-subs. Oh, it's like, Christ. Listen to yourself, man. You're sounding like somebody from the hard left. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. John Crudus, Owen Smith, Lisa Nandy. Mm, Chris is right, Tim. You're out of your depth, drowning in a sea of milk, and we're all swept up in it. Subs! No! I can't believe a leading progressive Tory like you would do this to me. You heard it coming! State intervention? Are you smoking crack? If so, can I have some? So, you're, are you pro when she votes for welfare cuts? Are you pro when she votes for, you know, it, all the bad things? It's just this, Including yeah. the Tories' Brexit policies that you apparently like her for opposing. She has defied the whip how many times in Parliament? Like, I'm sure you can count it on one hand. <laughs> this, the, the, the big rebel that is Subes. Please, Mrs Thatcher, we haven't got much time. I'm losing their attention. Subes is already back on the sherry and gapes his neck deep in his viral Cravendale. Tell them, tell them what a bloody great bloke I am. Enoch was right, of course. Do you want anything else to say about Andy Marsden? Yeah, yeah, we, well, we haven't fucking got around to explaining what happened yet. What happened? So, we were in this thread with Eddie. There were just a bunch of people in... Hang on. Hang on, I, I want to explain this properly. So let me go back. Uh, we need to, we need to set the narrative, you know, so you know exactly what happened here. Okay, so in the entire course of the episode, we never actually get around to explaining what we're talking about with regards to Eddie Marson. So basically... I did a tweet on the Real Politic account implying that he was a paid troll for the Conservative Party, and he quote tweeted that, and that's all you need to know. So yeah, basically he posted this like absolute galaxy brain tweet about how uh, <laughs> it's really Corbyn who's responsible for Brexit, not Theresa, a citizen of the world, as a citizen of nowhere, May. And um, then there were all people in the replies called stuff like Justin Williams, hashtag people's vote, Hillary, FBP for hope, not hate, Rob Zaru, hashtag FBPE, hashtag FBR. I've got to say, it was me on the Real Politic account, I will fully admit this, but 
I did end up adding them after I saw three of these people with hashtags in their name in a row saying, do you lot ever stop to think that the hashtags make you look stupid? <laughs> I will own up to making that comment. That was me. I stand by it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, I, I would say, in fact, FBPE seems to be such a toxic hashtag with such connotations of abusive crank mentions pests that Eddie Marsons removed it from his display name on Twitter. In fact, I, I, I think I am probably almost single-handedly keeping the FBPE hashtag alive with my regular tweets about how much I fucking despise anybody who has ever used it. It's funny because I'm looking at the people who liked his tweet calling us out because it, every other one is someone who has it in their name. Like Oh yeah, there's there's hashtag, no big names on there. It's FB, all cranks. Hashtag FBPE, hashtag ABTV. It's just that. And it's mostly just hashtag... Oh, there's another one here. Hashtag W-A-T-O-N. Uh, oh, yeah. What on? What on, sir? What <laughs> on, pip, pip? I saw it. Jolly and Morgan used the word wanton the other day. And I was like, uh, it's actually spelled what on, mate. Hashtag what on. It's just... Oh, it's... Only yeah, yeah, yeah. It. How I'm just looking now. Angel in grey socks. Hashtag FBPE. Hashtag ABTV. The central line. Hashtag FBPE. Hashtag ABTV. At militant middle. Sick of ideological idiots. Tribal robots and bad faith. Wake up. Be honest. Join the rational front. Almost as many followers as real politic. Brilliant. Christy Moore FBPE. KS hashtag remain hashtag FBPE. Ian McClellan hashtag FBPE. Deborah Griffith hashtag FBPE hashtag what on EU flag. Simon Hedges. Oh, is he there? Of course he's yeah. there. Of course Simon's what? there. I haven't seen Falcon, uh, Falcon Melteser yet. Yeah, he's usually in any remotely Melty tweets likes. To be fair, there is Brexit bin EU flag British flag hashtag FBPE. There is utterly be groovy hashtag FBPE. Barry Deacon hashtag FBPE. H hashtag FBPE. Daffid Parminder Hashtag FBPE Fuck Trump, fuck Brexit Welsh slash European, ex-military Ex-cop, blocked by Fake Dr Gorka and Daniel Hannan Hashtag the resistance Hashtag Trump Russia Hashtag impeach Trump Hashtag YNWA YNWA Some of these bios are just Incredible, let me just uh, Here we go is hashtag YNWA like the youth wing of NWA? Tom Flanagan liked that Andy Marsden tweet. I think it yeah, I've just taken the piss out of fucking Marsden. Yeah, tweet. I've just seen a, it's, it's, it's some dickhead in there, some some middle class wanker with a double barrel name, Jack Frayne Reed. Oh, like shows you the disgusting. type of liberal metropolitan elite who Vile. are rallying behind the anti Brexit cause. There's somebody called the Durham Miners Gala Fringe hashtag FBPE who is at the centrist dad. Uh, their picture is Richard Bergen holding out his hand. Their cover photo is neoliberalism in quotation marks with uh, the uh, the bad guy from Austin Powers doing quotation marks with his fingers. There's another guy here called David Waters, hashtag FBPE, with the bio, psychotherapist, writer, 
speaker, the School of Life faculty on love, self-knowledge and resilience, and then classical music headbanger. <laughs> there is wolf, hashtag FBPE, car emoji, EU flag emoji, heart emoji, EU flag emoji, hashtag NHS love, no Brexit is better than any Brexit, love Labour values and Blair, hate the Tory stooge Corbyn, hashtag FBPE means follow back pro EU, thank you for, for that, hashtag NHS love Absolutely. means hashtag stop Brexit. <laughs> It's funny. I've just come across the. I've just. I've just looked at who's retweeted it nine times, and funny enough, there's there's someone called Copland Resident, some guy called Jack. I don't you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Jack Frayne Reed, I don't know if that's the same person. And Red Real Politic itself, you know. Just, just, yeah. I like how we're promoting Eddie's, you know, you know, you know, we're giving him we're giving him a platform to criticize us, you know, you can you can't say that they want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. So, you know, we're pretty bipartisan. Hey man, to be fair, there is a guy in there called Jeffrey M. Hodgson, oh, hashtag yeah. FBPE, <laughs> author of Wrong Turnings and Conceptualizing Capitalism. Oh, man. And his profile picture is of a very, very cheap-looking, what I assume is a book cover, called Wrong Turnings, How the Left Got Lost. So he sounds a bit like some kind of Poundland Nick Cohen. Yeah, I was going to think, uh, it looks like, you know when you go on Amazon and you look for books and it's like a pretty obscure release, so they have like, yeah. they sort of have like a default kind of artwork for the book? That's yeah, yeah. It, looks like. <laughs> it literally looks like that. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, Eddie Marson basically saw a tweet where we were talking about how genuinely think a large percentage of the FBPE accounts are those propaganda accounts that the Tories literally admit they're running out of CCHQ, Conservative Central Headquarters. The Russian, like Soviets, Soviets, at the Kremlin. So, we got a couple of responses from Meltz saying, oh, that's a bit paranoid. So, I suppose the Daily Telegraph, when they report senior Conservative officials saying this, are also being paranoid. Obviously. But, I mean, there's loads of those accounts, aren't they? Those dodgy accounts that do nothing but spew the most mind-numbing shit for brains Tory propaganda lines all day. All day, all day. And so the first of those would be a former Capita employee and uh, current anti-Semite Paul Everett Clay aka Free Spirited P Free Spirited Piss. Paul the original centrist dad. I am a centrist and a conservative. Whatever you want to call him, he's the owner of centristad.com, the second best site after the Gera sites. <laughs> there's loads of them. Oh, there's that guy who's called like Dan or something, who just has like a fucking slapped ass face in his picture and just you can just tell he's the most boring cunt. <laughs> It's like if you were to program into a computer, like, they're literally bots, aren't they? Or they're, they're, they're probably run by people, but they are literally bot accounts, aren't they? They seem like, the, <laughs> the way that how their bios are structured, it seems like it's a computer trying to emulate a human, trying to give itself personality. It's, it's so well, odd. Have you seen Free Spirited P's bio, where he's just That's kind of like, hashtag Tory, hashtag gay, hashtag dad, hashtag Hashtag centrist. Uh, My word. Let's have a look. Ah, yes, Paul, the original centrist dad. Yeah, hashtag I'm with me. Oh, he hasn't blocked me. Nice one. Yeah, he has tweets about hashtag politics, hashtag Kylie, and the hashtag Jim. Likes gin. <laughs> so rich and angel. Reactionary politics. Our job is never done. 
Tom, do you like gin? No, not really. I mean, if I'm given it, I, you know, I, I drink it, but I, yeah. uh, I'm, not, I'm not running to a shop and going, give me that gin, baby. You know? <laughs> yeah, sorry. If you are here to troll, expect to be blocked. We're going to be Hashtag Tory. our listeners who like gin. I'm very sorry. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag Tory. Hash- no, but it is like performative like of gin is this weird thing that Twitter centrists do. Yeah, like and it's, it's very like, odd. It's very, like, they kind of, yeah, like a very British kind of like, oh, we have a bit of G and T, like, you know, like kind of like that, like that fucking <laughs> like that fucking parody Queen account where it's just like hashtag gin and tea and like, oh, oh God, yeah. Which they all probably uh, love as well, I can imagine. But they all follow yeah. that account. Hashtag Tory, hashtag dad, hashtag gay, rainbow flag. I'm with May. Sorry, hashtag I'm with me, pro hashtag Brexit, and his uh, his website is centristdad.com. And Tom, didn't you want to do a reading in this episode, other than the Rusty Kershaw classic monkey story? Oh, do you want me to do a reading from centristdad.com? Could you do a reading? I can of, do it. Uh, okay. The first article from centristdad.com. Oh, the, the, the problem with Brexiteers, okay. No, 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 sorry. I mean, uh, the first one chronologically, go down to the bottom of the page. Ah, Why okay. centrist dad? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. This, uh, this isn't a long article, so my voice should hopefully hold out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and just to remind all of you, this is an article by Paul Everett Clay, a former employee of... Wait, hang on. Let me let me get this exactly right. We don't want to get this wrong. We want, we want to be factually correct on this. Okay, so this is a piece by Paul Everett Clay, who is on Twitter at freespirited underscore P, whose display name is Paul, the original centrist dad, and who used to work for Capita. Uh, an international business process outsourcing and professional services company headquartered in London. Thank you, Wikipedia. And now he works as a paid troll for the Conservative Party. Wow. If that's the, if that's the career path you aspire for, wow. <laughs> to, be a, to, to be a paid Tory shill troll account. So, and now it's time for Real Politic Reading. Oh, hell yeah. Why centrist dad? Short answer, I am centrist and I am a father. He could literally just end the article there and... That, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that's it, you know, it's, yeah. My political views have always been in the centre ground, but what does that mean? Put simply, my general views are neither left or right-leaning. Oh fucking hell! This is basically just him to see. Oh no! Oh, oh, oh. Wait, read the next bit. Read the next bit. <laughs> they, they are in the centre ground. I am next a conservative. <laughs> My general views are neither left or right leaning. I am a conservative. Yeah. So he goes from going. Is this? Is this? Is this? Is this is a parody? Surely this isn't real. This is no. This is this is the state of the Tories. Uh, what's no, what is that? Come on, Who is it? Seba- is Sebastian real. Payne. Inch oh. by inch, the Tories are starting to understand social media. Oh, <laughs> this is what we're looking oh, at: the Tories' word. efforts to grapple with this incredible new media. This is incredible. This is okay. So he says. So he goes. My general views are neither left or right leaning. They're in the centre ground. I am a conservative. Okay. I believe that we should assume responsibility for our own actions and for our own successes, and we should not be dependent on government or others for it. Nothing right-wing about that? Absolutely not. (laughs) 
<laughs> I believe I believe in welfare support for those of us who genuinely require support. Which is no one. Which is no one because everything's yeah, fine. Yeah. Hunky dory and nobody, you know, no disabled people are dying. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're gonna lose the records on the people have died. Oh, da, 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 everything's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> uh, I believe in, in an accessible healthcare system for all of us. I, Do you now, Paul? He, he does, you know, he, de, like Jackie's writing it down, so he must mean it. Jeremy Hunt, Stan, Paul Everett, Clay. I expect limited state intervention in the running of our lives, and I oh, believe nothing right wing there. And believe in freedom of expression and free markets. I think the freedom of expression means that he he's entitled to do, you know, a meme of John Landsman as a puppeteer pulling the strings of Jeremy Corbyn, oh, uh, in, you know, with a, with a, a was flair him. for visual style that the great painter Adolf Hitler himself would have been proud of. This was the guy who did the anti-Semitic piece of fucking shit. And his pinned tweet is about anti-Semitism. Oh my, the, oh fucking hell. Jeez, this is, oh my god, this is appalling. Uh, I support our monarchy. <laughs> and I also strongly believe that we should govern ourselves as a nation, that we should have control of our sovereignty. Finally, it's a wanky way of saying he's pro-Brexit. Yeah, basically. Finally, I believe that we have the right to defend ourselves and the interest of our nation. I do not believe in the nanny state, collectives or interference. Cash he doesn't believe in collectives. Oh, God, this is such bollocks. Carry on anyway. Cast your mind back to the 2017 conference season. I frequently do. <laughs> it was a great time. Good times. Good times. Good, yeah. times. Good times at one of the conferences, at the other one, it was just an absolute shit show. You Good had, times you, to watch on the telly, you though. You had failed comedians upstaging you, handing you P45s, for fuck's sake. We know the system don't work. <laughs> okay, Jeremy Corbyn told his audience, including those of us watching on television, that the political centre ground had moved radically to the left towards him. I found those remarks offensive. That ain't politically correct. Threatening, threatening <laughs> and a direct challenge to me. <laughs> So he's basically saying that Jeremy Corbyn's threatening him for saying that the, for saying that the Overton windows essentially moved to the left. Okay. That Corbynite abuse, it's, I, it's shocking every time it you is, hear it, it is. isn't it? How, no, how carry on, carry how on. How dare Corbyn say that more people are now inclined to listen to a left-wing perspective? It, it's basically threatening violence. It's disgraceful. <laughs> Ridiculous. He does elaborate on this point, though, doesn't Paul Everett Clay? He does, he does. His remarks were offensive because he told me that my own political ground and views had changed to suit his agenda. Almost like he was telling me how to think. He was telling think. me how to think. <laughs> again, again, the Stalinist nature of Corbyn came through. That is the nature of the hard left. When Corbyn said the centre ground had moved to the left... That was mind control. This is absolutely wild. It reminds me of that tweet the other day. It was like, I was called a turf for objecting to men hacking my location. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was it's like, Paul, Paul, Corbyn's going to hack your mind again. Corbyn's <laughs> going to hack into your brain and change the way you behave and think. They just, they just genuinely believe that Corbyn's like, 
orchestrating this mass kind of thought process amongst his followers that they're like he's like this genuinely sinister like person and it's just so funny it's just I, I, I think just, they think just this fucking old it's like this old guy who's getting on now he just likes to fucking go yeah. to his allotment and wants to just make life somewhat more bearable for some people it's, it's just great how these people paint him out to be it's hilarious okay I think they think that Corbynism is some kind of mass hysteria but you know we can't all be intellectuals of the stature of Paul Everett Clay yeah. who's, he who's, just, who's able he's able to spot the mind control subtext he, in, he, in yeah. what seems like standard political rhetoric it's this running trend of comparing it to a cult of personality isn't it basically it's just it's, mm. they all go down that route okay the article there's still a few more paragraphs to go of just oh the totally same, yeah the same old mindless drivel okay in the last <laughs> sentence he says his remarks were offensive because he told me that my own political ground and views had changed to suit his agenda almost like he was telling me how to think I was, I, was, I was offended because he threatens most of the things that I believe in the things which have come to represent our country how austerity imperialism yeah, institutionalised exactly. racism absolutely how dare he simply attempt to sweep me and others up to add us to his collective narrative. See, because Paul already said he's he doesn't believe in collectives. The collective uh, of any of any kind. Like his favourite band God. is actually Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young because <laughs> it's just a bunch of solo artists and not an actual band because they don't work together and they're all dominated by their own agenda. That's actually how he thinks music should be. Jeremy Corbyn is not breaking through to those of us who sit in the political ground that is beyond that of the left of centre. By beyond, the... he means to the right Absolutely. of the left of centre. Yeah, he has the most extreme left-wing views that this country has ever seen since the 1970s. In order for him to win, he needs to drag the centre ground to the left. His way Done. Of, brilliant. His way of trying to achieve this is through a bizarre and worrying approach, which has seen him play on the emotions of the great British public and resort to lying. God, it's written in such a... Like, infantile stunted manner it is it's like a bizarre and worrying approach like just add in a kind of another descriptive word another adjective to show how paul is concerned by this and resort to lying i find quite fascinating because it's not elaborated on and it is this idea that politicians don't lie Christ, Christ. <laughs> you hear it from the fucking melts as well from the anti-brexit people that oh, yeah. we need to have another referendum because the eu referendum was based on lies uh, whereas <laughs> you know I, I think I've, I've probably said this on a previous episode whereas the tories in 2015 got in because labor did crash the global economy by spending money on public services that was true what david cameron and osborne was saying Absolutely. and nobody ever lied in politics prior to 2015 <laughs> but you know we are living in the age of fake news. We are, we are. The article carries on saying, this damages our democratic system and values which are the envy of the world. <laughs> what? Yes. Everyone's laughing at us, mate. Everyone fucking hates us. <laughs> exactly. I am fearful of the culture which is, which is being cultivated by the Labour leadership. A culture where the views of others are shouted down. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> a, a culture where opposing MPs are actively uh, blocking actively people on Twitter blocking people. in order to shut 
in order to shut out those of us who challenge them and disagree with them. Well, that's enough about Tom Blenkinsop, anyway. (laughs) Sorry, he's not an MP anymore. Bottled it. Imagine that culture in government. Imagine if if our current government shied away from accountability. That would that would. Oh my god, that's a dystopic scenario. (laughs) A culture where only one view is acted upon and heard. It is a dangerous path. <laughs> he just dedicates one of those sentences. That's brilliant. Um, oh God, I've just seen the last. I've just seen the last sentence of the whole essay. I haven't got to it at the end of it. And it's just made. Oh, it's, it, just it's a good sentence. Ooh, it tells it how it is. Exactly. It sums up the thesis. It sums up the thesis perfectly. Okay. He says, "I think that we should challenge, but we should do so whilst holding on to our conservative values." This is wait, the, this, wait, wait. This is the centrist, thought, by the way. Okay, this is the guy. Yeah, I thought it was neither right nor left. Yeah. Is it conservative values? Li- doesn't isn't doesn't he have a? He's literally seeing himself off by saying, "Guess what? Liberalism is just this fucking conservatism. There's fucking this is the same shit." Cheers, Paul. <laughs> Thanks. Fucking <laughs> hell. I mean, we knew this all along, but they're just literally coming out and saying, "Yeah, we love the free market." We love the monarchy. We actually quite like conservatives, you know? I've got got to say, I do like the kind of glazed-eyed, shit-for-brains tone of Tory propaganda in 2018, because it has gone, like, completely beyond the realms of the plausible. Oh, yeah. Just, for example, look at the tweets of James Cleverly, who, uh, (laughs) deputy chairman of the Conservatives, and he is basically, uh, you know, Michael Fallon before he got done for sexual harassment. Yeah. He's but he's Michael Fallon. He goes out there and he says the stupid, moronic, indefensible shit to take the heat off the real issues. That's what he's all about. And today it was some nonsense about how those Labour women who are pointing at Theresa May, a highly successful woman in a traditionally man's world, and is trying to undermine her over abortion rights in a devolved part of the UK, should ask themselves, am I a proper feminist? <laughs> Fucking... By the way, congrats to the uh, Repeal the yes, Eighth campaign for result. an incredible campaign and incredible result. 69% uh, in favour of nice. Incredibly nice, fucking nice. nice incredibly nice. 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 On Jeremy Corbyn's birthday, no less. His 69th nice, birthday. Nice, nice, nice. It is so nice. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so, so cleverly, yeah, he just comes out with this fucking dribble drivel and then he probably um, dribbles when he's saying it just, 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 just yeah yeah he's dribbly dribble at the mouth <laughs> just, like saying this garbage yeah. of course there was another one who was uh as brandon lewis who does the same stuff and then ben bradley Ben Bradley, of course, has got to be a little bit more careful about what he says now, uh, for for obvious reasons. Corbs' team come after him, demanding an apology. Please retweet. The most most retweeted conservative tweet, isn't it? Of Of all time. Yeah, brilliant. Totally, yep. Great times. Uh, Okay, so so the the article ends by going, I think that we should challenge, but we should do so whilst holding on to our conservative values. Those values of integrity, respect, and tolerance... Which which conservative party is this again? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. You know, I, I wouldn't associate integrity, respect, and tolerance with the Conservative Party. But you know, uh, hey man, uh, hey man, hey man, you've got to have respect and tolerance for people who wanted to hang Mandela in the eighties. Yeah, obviously, you know. Let's have respect know. and tolerance 
for General Pinochet when he comes to this country instead of uh, obviously he's dead now I mean I'm talking about in the late 90s when he did but uh, let's have respect and tolerance for Pinochet instead of arresting him please right, um, right let's finish let's finish this I, I, I think we should challenge but we should also do we should do so whilst holding on to our conservative values those values of integrity respect and tolerance that we all hold so dear and not resort to the levels of abuse that we have seen I am centrist and I am a conservative <laughs> <laughs> he forgot to remind us he's a dad. Yeah, that's literally. So he just literally needs to end it by going. He should have ended it by going. I'm a centrist, and I am a conservative. I am a centrist dad. I am a man. <laughs> I am a Tory. I am a Tory. I am a melt. I am a Tory. Yeah one of my greatest so, musical so, accomplishments surely this is a joke this can't be real this has to be a parody of this has to be fucking corbyn superfan this is like no come on it must be no this is it genuine. is 100 percent for real and i think he's getting paid money for it i genuinely think uh, there are certain HQ. people who are yeah i think so well we know they're doing it <laughs> brandon lewis said so that they're they're hiring an astroturf army I wouldn't be surprised if they were putting a bit of money into our future, our choice, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. They no, no, really but Tory... the bed, aren't they? I'm sure we'll find the time at some point to read another article from centristdad.com, but I think I've read enough yeah, for well, today. Well, he's only done three, and he hasn't actually updated it since <laughs> his piece. The problem with Brexiteers. Oh, God, he posted that on December the 31st, 2017. So whilst the rest of us were getting ready to go out for the new year... Paul was sitting at home um, typing out yeah. a press release for the Conservative Party. The other article is about that very important centrist political belief, the truth about fox hunting. <laughs> Which, oh, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. About. Jesus Christ. Brilliant. So that was uh, centrist-dad.com. It's real, supposedly. <laughs> it is, yeah. Although he's not obviously, he's obviously not a regular, normal person tweeting in his own time. You know, he's tweeting stuff on behalf of the Conservative Party that happened to coincide exactly with whatever the propaganda lines of, of the party are at any given time. I mean, an example of just how like uniquely cretinous and shit for brains the Tories' attack lines have got is the thing they had after the local elections, which was they were screenshot. Labour candidates who said vote early, vote often, as if this was an admission of electoral fraud. <laughs> and, they, and they were all acting, all free spirited P, all the other people, they were all acting as if Labour candidates would just happily tweet out, yeah, we're telling people to vote for us multiple times. And that was what inspired my tweet, which was like, just fraudulently voted five times for my local uh, council candidates, like, which was like Luke Akehurst. Russia. Parambe and fucking, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so what are the main points you want to cover before we finish up? Because we've been going for about an hour know. and a half almost. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think we've got we've got a good amount of material. So, so I think we could do a little kind of bulletin of just stuff that we've missed out that we haven't covered. Bong. So, so Tom, firstly, uh, in relation to the recent that was that was me doing a big ben sound not me going bong i need a bong hit right now <laughs> oh i i you know what i heard like that a, as on well. i thought me, i thought that was, was a i thought that was a meditation sound i thought it was like a jai guru day it was me. Om. 
it was me. It was me trying to do like a news at ten bong first bulletin. But bong. Yeah, we uh, fucked it up. We'll we'll let we'll edit it out. It will seem yeah. to be, it will it will look really seamless when we release it. It will be very very slick. Yes, as real politic always is. So Tom, I was going to ask, do you have an unpopular opinion you wish to share? Um, yeah, maybe like um, the Verve are good or something like that. Something like Urban oh, Hymns off. isn't a big bucket fuck of uh, maudlin shite. We, like, we, <laughs> we, we, we discussed this on the last episode. I'm very, I'm very disappointed with the people who came into our mentions, uh, who were good listeners of the show, who, who do just Urban Hymns. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a fucking overproduced piece. Fuck you, fuck you all. <laughs> is that your unpopular opinion that you despise our listeners fucking a and mates i'm joking i they're a lovely bunch i'm not cunts mate hate them <laughs> fuck off stop listening to our show fuck you now now, now you need uh, to do 10 minutes of milk jokes so we can win them back yes um milk all right milk and you have the milk that is taken from cows in the south. Uh, what else? So Drake uh, decided to dish, d- dish. Drake decided to diss Pusha T. The bigger question is how the Russians did it. Dish Pusha T. And this was a very seamless move into. And now Drake. So yeah, 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 yeah. And Pusha dropped the amazing bombshell that Drake is apparently the father of Andrew Adonis. <laughs> you are hiding a child. Let that boy come home. Deadbeat motherfucker playing border patrol. Ooh, Adonis is your son. He named his kid Adonis, didn't he? Well, and I'm not sure he did. It might have been the mother, but regardless, yeah, Drake stepped up to push a T and push a T being, you know, ever. I, I don't mind Drake really, but Pusher, uh, Tom Disso is gonna listen to this and be like, "Fuck off!" But Pusher is like a serious <laughs> MC, and he and he hit back with uh, like, "Yeah, you're a fucking Mel, blah blah blah." Your kid's Andrew Adonis. Uh, he That's showed him what's what. It twist. did end with a really like uh, close to the bone comment about how Drake's producer Forty has got MS, and oh and, and Pusher T is no longer woke. Did we get around to mentioning how it turned out that that Russian journalist, Arkady Babchenko, who was reportedly assassinated in Kiev on Tuesday, appeared on TV alive and well. I heard about this today, yes. Wasn't the whole kind of media kind of rooting up going, ah, yes, look, the Russians have killed someone else. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and exactly. And David Aronovich dead, just is now upset that the guy isn't dead, yeah. <laughs> the- my word he basically came out they had a press conference and he just turned up going hey i'm not dead yeah and, and now it's just sent all the kind of the centrist journalists kind of into like a tirade like he should be dead you can't yeah. you can't do this like i just shocked that just like what i thought he was I, dead. I mean, to be fair i can't really blame david aronovich i mean i'm bitterly disappointed when i wake up every day and see that he's not dead <laughs> oh god Everyone knows that's your dark joke of the episode, folks. I got it in. I got it in there. It's, yeah, it's the, in yeah. the way. So you know, when they all come <laughs> scrawling through, like, oh, we gotta find some shit in here, Mister Frainreed. It's hidden away. I was like, look, it's literally, he was hoping a journalist was dead to confirm his political opinions. So. <laughs> um, exactly. 
What else we got? Uh, I don't think Real Politic has a Wikipedia page, but if Oliver Cam oh. wants to, so, oh, so Philip Cross, I mean, uh, Philip ju- just happens to edit people's Wikipedia page on the same day that they get into fights with Oliver. If Cam. you just happen to cross Oliver Cam, stuff happens to your Wikipedia page when you when that happens. It's very mysterious. I must say, it's it's. it's it's almost a coincidence, you know. <laughs> Real Politic are a British podcast renowned for threatening journalists with cricket bats. <laughs> I've heard from a very close source, very, very close source, that he's a very petty man, that Oliver Cam. I have heard that he, he seems uh, very, uh, basically, like he has no mates. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know... We can't, but, no, we can't uh, name our source, of course, but... Uh, well, no, we can't. And, and of course, you know, so therefore, if we don't have a source, uh, we can't add it to Wikipedia. But it's out there. There you go. It's out there in the public domain. Oliver Cam has no mates. <laughs> and, what and else by, have we got? And, the, and within a three days now, our Wikipedia page will be up and running and it will be from a, you know... Yeah, exactly. It was just, just like great timing. A couple of things... I've been listening to a couple of episodes of Nick Robinson's inventively titled Talking Politics podcast. Actually, his podcast is called Political Thinking, and Talking Politics is another podcast that sounds boring, but I haven't listened to. Why would you want to do that to yourself? It's basically because he's had a few people from Labour's Shadow Cabinet on there. So I listened to the Keir Starmer one. My homeboy Keir Starmer turns out... Go ahead, say it. Yep. He turns out he's from my ends. Grew up. There we go. There we go. It, it truly is Copland, of which I am a resident. It made him the man that he is today. Yes, a big old cop with a Richard Spencer haircut. I'm worried for your future <laughs> politics, Jack. I'm very worried. If Oxford, if Oxford did that to Keir Starmer, what's it going to do to you? Oh God, who knows? And I listened to Dawn Butler, and there was an interesting bit in the Dawn Butler episode. She was asked if she has any friends who are Tories because obviously this is all political journalists like Nick Robinson care about you know everyone can be chummy with each other and get along across political lines and Dawn Butler's like yeah I have some Tory friends <laughs> which obviously I disapprove of but then <laughs> Nick Robinson is like oh you know I've I've had Jess Phillips and Jacob Rees-Mogg on here singing each other's praises Oh, fucking hell. Whoa. It's like, yeah, Brilliant. I bet you have. <laughs> Is that the point in the what episode where Nick Robson goes, and now we have one of your Tory friends here. Bring him out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but well, basically, Dawn Butler just goes, uh, yeah, he's not one of my friends about <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg. You got any friends who are Conservatives? Yeah, I got some friends and you're going to ask me their names no now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. <laughs> but um but yeah I've got people that I speak to in the conservative party and people who I would have a drink with who I have had a drink with I'm not gonna out you don't worry <laughs> Jess Phillips and Jacob Rees-Mogg have been on this podcast talking about their admiration for each other even yeah. though they couldn't disagree Jake, more on yeah. politics. It's a, but it's an interesting he's not choice. one of my friends <laughs> not really <laughs> funny enough I have an instinct about that. <laughs> yeah. I think I don't know if, if this is true, but, you know, there's that famous story of Dawn Butler going into a lift in the House of Commons and being told that it's not a lift for cleaners. Really? I have not heard that story before. Go ahead. I think, and this could be entirely wrong, that that was Jacob Rees-Mogg. And it would not surprise me one bit. I wouldn't be surprised, no. He, he lives in a very insular, isolated existence in Somerset, which... 
it's not really reflect the, the lives of normal people in this country. Absolutely not. We did some exciting crowdsourcing and we got a few suggestions as to what we should talk about in this episode. And there was something that we got from At Spinning Joe was books that helped shape the various hosts' politics. We've only got two of us here today, so I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> Shaky, Neil Young's biography by Jimmy McDonough. The chapter where dreams unfold. A battle reached on the open page. You, you, you heard the real shit from this book earlier. Tom, what's your book? Oh, it's got to be Tony Blair, A Journey. <laughs> Very good suggestion. I approve of that. Cunts like Blair. But, yeah, uh, I, so on the series, it's probably got to be one of the earliest books I read was uh, Tony Benn's Arguments for Socialism, which is just this, ah. and the accompanying book Arguments for Democracy as well, which is uh, you know two great little companion pieces. Of course, I've gone on Very and read more certainly more radical texts, but it's a good starting point. Ben's great. Don't let people who no, say otherwise no, 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 fucking no, no. tell you going on about how Tony Benn was a liberal. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastically ahistorical and possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, Tony Benn was... Uh, was, was, it was fucking everyone crazy. in Labour is a liberal, Tom. Everybody in Labour is a liberal. Mm. But the thing I saw that was a kind of a supposed critique of Labour from the left just reminded me incredibly, in fact, of liberal apathy and disinterest in politics. Liberal, they're all the same type cynicism. Which was uh, somebody talking about the Lewisham selection right when Progress and Labour first were crowing about how they got their preferred anti-Brexit candidate selected. And this guy is just like, well, yeah, it seems bad on both sides. The chair of that CLP is a Blairite called Ian McKenzie, who has just been suspended from the Labour Party for tweeting that Emily Thornberry is too old for ISIS, that they might not even rape her, they just dump her in a oh mass grave God, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, I that guy that, yeah. obviously got enough people to vote for him somebody with those views that he must be in some way representative of the right of that CLP so please leave the both sides shit out of it Tom as much as I appreciate your citation of a journey I gotta say as a real Blair head I would cite New Britain a vision of a young country we, a real we deep did, did, a deep cut from the Blair catalogue didn't we read out a bit of A New Britain from a oh yeah episode? we did that was when you were yes. back at Oaksbridge wasn't it I remember us reading it was yeah and, uh, yeah yeah that was and I don't did you fall asleep Probably because it was just the most utter drivel. It was just, it was just, it was just like stuff like we, we must come together. We must be united, Britain. Sense of communities, oh, but not. It's it, complete. It's bollocks. just, it's just the most dribbly, watery bollocks you can fucking imagine. Absolutely. It's, it's only a, the one you had was like extracts from the. the yeah, it was. It was a. It was extracts from it that came through with the new statesman. I think we should wrap up. Yes. But it's one more thing. Day. Over in Italy, democracy is being stifled by a European Union that will not accept policies that contravene its free market consensus. Anybody who still thinks that the EU is in some way a friend of socialism has another thing coming, basically. There's a great article in Jacobin today, which is the best analysis I've seen yet of the ways in which the EU structures would restrict Labour's ability to implement genuine transformative policies. That's not going to happen, but if there was going to be another EU referendum, 
What would you vote for? Yeah. If if the if if the if, if the, if the mm. remainers got there, if the remainers now I might put you on the spot here, and this may get edited out of the episode. I understand this, but what would you vote for? I can I can be honest with you, mate, and, I, and you might be surprised by this. I'd probably vote Brexit. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not fucking lying. Yeah, because you, because you know the, you know because what? in the space of a fucking year, these people yep. have fucking done nothing to hammer home their argument why we should remain. All they've done is moan, yep. complain, and antagonise people and try yeah, left bashing. Exactly. And the worst thing of all is they've been absolutely horrible at times, calling people stupid just because they voted Brexit <laughs> without asking. Actually, asking like they they've just assumed oh it's because of immigration, isn't it? That's why you voted Brexit. There was a thread I was in with a bunch of uh, FBPE people the other day and there was this thing where uh, they were calling everyone in Momentum scum and some guy on the left was like, uh, oh, so is my mum scum then? And then they were just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these people are wild. If you ask any public figure on the left, they will say that the most abuse they get aside from the usual Nazis and hardline turfs is from FBPE people. Mm. They yeah. are the biggest, most aggressive, most obnoxious cranks on the whole of Twitter. I mean, and and they then... they think our side of the left on Twitter is the, the you know the people who are causing the shit. We're just making piss yeah, jokes. Yeah, it's, it's sake, like, fucking projection, videos. isn't it? Exactly. And of course, the most insidious thing about them is that they've got their argument prepared for when Labour get into government, and they will oppose any and all progressive policies involving public spending on the basis that public spending is no longer viable after Brexit. Uh. So they are bringing back austerity in a big way. You hear the most extreme manifestations of this perspective where we won't be able to afford anything or when Owen Jones tweeted about trans rights mm. somebody said oh, wh- why don't you oppose Brexit Owen which is going to take away all everyone's rights yeah, yeah. Um, and this opposition will manifest itself in the parliamentary Labour Party as well if we get into a Labour government yeah. and you know what that means Chang? Do, do you hear it do you, do you hear it coming is it, is it uh, it's it's steaming down the tracks yeah, yeah, as we speak it's in the distance it's getting close to it's <laughs> Jeremy stepping off him with a grin on his face. Yeah, of course. One other thing. You didn't, One you other didn't thing. Question. You've got oh, I didn't answer. Oh, I, yeah. Ah, yes, I, I wriggled up. And I try and uh, be all things to all people. And I'm, there's nothing sectarian about me whatsoever. So I, 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 it pains me to take a stance. But you know what? I did not have a Eurosceptic thought in my head as a something in 2016 this was ignorance i didn't know what i was talking about i could not have told you a thing about the single market about the customs union any of that any more than most other people who voted remain were in possession of all the facts no no matter what they claim since then i have begun to see the efforts to stop brexit as the primary front in the campaign to stifle socialist politics in this country and um, I think any victory for the likes of Chukaramuna, Anna Subri, Andrew Adonis, Tony Blair is not something that should be celebrated. As I say, I think they've used Brexit as, as a pretext to argue against socialist policies. 
So well, it. real uh, politic is now for Brexit. You know what? Yes. All right. I mean, it's not, yeah, I vote. Not, I'd, I'd vote. I'd vote Leave second time around. You know what? I still support EU freedom of movement. I want absolutely. it to be expanded. Absolutely. So there's nothing nationalistic here. Absolutely. I, it has become apparent. You see what's happening at the moment in Italy. You see what happened in Greece. You see the senior EU officials that were quoted in the Telegraph, I think it was the Telegraph, all the times recently who were saying that they would try and put the brakes on certain policies involving state aid that the Corbyn government would try and implement. I think they are enemies of socialism and I think the people who have chosen when there is a viable socialist Labour Party to base their entire politics around this thing incompatible with Labour's socialist programme are enemies of socialism and I think that is their true purpose to stop socialist change in this country so uh, with a heavy heart I think I would probably vote leave. There we go. Well I wouldn't worry though I I don't think the Remainers are exactly going to have a, if there was to be a second which I doubt there will be. I think they'd probably potentially lose by a larger margin, perhaps. Like that's the that's the interesting. Oh yeah, I think so because they're the most. They've, 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 since the referendum, they've chosen to pursue the most obnoxious strategies in the world. You know, you saw Owen Jones liking that article earlier about how it's essential for the UK to leave the single market for Labour to implement its programme. These fuckers in his mentions all day saying that Labour won't be able to do anything when they get into government because of Brexit. Brexit is going to fucking happen. So what they're saying is we are going to try and stand in the way of socialist policies because we believe in the economic logic of austerity. There you go. That's my stance. And we're going to drop the mic. Also, glad Tommy Robinson's in prison. Hope he does fucking die in there. Nora Mulready is a fucking Islamophobic scumbag, and it's a fucking disgrace that papers like the Evening Standard quoted a racist like that as their primary source for all their articles about Haringey. So fuck the British media, fuck Tommy Robinson, fuck all of you, fuck the EU, fuck the single market, fuck real politics. No, wait, hang on. Uh, yep. <laughs> And we'll leave you and, with uh, the sounds of anti- something. <laughs> the sounds of music. The hills are alive. No, I, no, right, one more point, because this is written in my notes. Anti-Corbynites need to reckon with just how far they tried to move the party to the right. Own up. One of you write a big old mere culpa about how if Harriet Harman hadn't whipped MPs to abstain on welfare cuts and Andy Burnham had taken union money and Liz Kendall hadn't said that Ed Miliband, a Jewish man, was wrong to recognise Palestine as a state, Mm. then there would be no Corbyn. The sooner the Labour right start to recognise this, the sooner they will find themselves, to some extent, I hope they don't, obviously, (laughs) but crawling, crawling out of this pathetic hashtag riddled malaise that they currently exist in. See you later, everyone. And there you have it. Episode 61 of Real Politic. We've covered a lot today. Well, we have. And we'll leave you with the tunes of, I don't know, we haven't decided yet, but I hope you enjoy what we're going to play for you now. And uh, Rusty Kershaw, maybe? Yeah, go on. Oh, he's great, man. I love Rusty. R.I.P. Rusty. Did a whole bunch of fucking and shit. (laughs) He did a whole bunch of fucking and shit. Did me up a joint and drank me some fucking whiskey and shit. He's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Doug's still going, man. Great player. Nice, nice. We'll leave you with the sultry sounds 
a rusty Kershaw. <laughs> Get the honey slides out, lads. <laughs> Cheers, folks. Thank you for tuning in for episode 61. We'll be back hopefully next week. With a very hopefully sp- with yeah. special guest in tow. Yeah, Sorry, two, I shouldn't keep maybe interrupting. Maybe a special guest. Two. Maybe two. Two special maybe guests. Maybe two special guests we'll have on, and we'll have Laura back, and hopefully Aya, and it'll be the full the full Monty. The full Monty fun times had all around. <laughs> don't worry. Don't, don't don't. We're not going to do another version of a Monty Python sketch, everyone. Don't worry. Don't that was worry. just to piss off a certain amount of people, and based on some of the mentions of it, we certainly succeeded in that. Yeah, it fucking worked. <laughs> As you, as you, as you put perfectly, we will destroy everything you hold dear. I think that's a good note to end this episode on. Good night. Night.
Rock and roll, baby. 
it's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.